Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top rated sports book. Download the app today. Use promo code CHGO to sign up and start enjoying just the best sports book out there. Uh, very happy to have DraftKings Sportsbook on. Had a nice Saturday of college football and here to talk baseball on a Sunday uh, with my people, uh, Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer and Herb Lawrence. You can follow him Hello. on Twitter at Ectorwell23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Wasn't sure if you were going to drop in the hello or not, Herb, because you're coming to us from a car. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I'm sorry. I usually, you know, I'm at home on Sundays, but I had a thing I had to do today. And so I'm joining you a little remotely. So if you're listening to this, thank you. And um, thank you to the people at Autism Speaks for having me out. Yeah, you being a Wheaton North great up there, huh? Apparently. People like me out here. Go Falcons. Uh, yeah. And hey, all they say on StreamYard is that you need a good connection. And apparently your car can give you good enough connection on Wi-Fi. So congrats on that. Uh, let's get into some news from the White Sox. Uh, recently announced that SoxFest 2023 will be canceled. Vinny, you got the press release. So if you want to let us know why the Sox are canceling SoxFest Sox 2023, uh, you know, that'd be great. Yeah, not a lot to offer on that front, uh, but uh, from what they said, they just cited that uh, several factors led to this decision, uh, and that's pretty much it. Uh, I, I know everybody's jumping to conclusions, and who knows? Maybe you're right, but uh, in terms of the information that we actually have, we don't have any, so uh, not 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 any actual conclusions that we can draw quite yet. Well, yeah, it feels like this is where the jumps, jump to conclusion, Matt, from uh, Office Space will work. We could put out every conclusion, whether it be COVID, whether it be the 81 and 81 season. Uh, Herb, you got any conclusions that you might want to jump to on why the Sox Fest uh, 2023 was canceled? Not necessarily conclusions, but I, you know, a regular well-run organization, you would give – the benefit of the doubt, they have something that they don't want to do, and it's extenuating circumstances not necessarily need to be public, but also we got our reasons. We don't need to explain them to you, but here, um, we're not going to do Sox Fest this year. But with this crew, it's tough to give them the benefit of the doubt of, okay, there might be something going on. These guys are serious guys. They haven't led us astray in the past. And this year being a really bad year, especially for the fans, Sox Fest is kind of people's thing where they look forward to, hey, Kenny, hey, Jerry, hey, Rick, grab a microphone so we can grill you on what went wrong in 2022. That's the main part I think what fans are feeling like. It's it's seeming like 
the front office is running away from accountability, accountability directly from the people who purchase those seats. And I know from people who go to these events, they enjoy SoxFest, not just for the meeting of the people, uh, the, the players and the front office staff, but for meeting of other fans, enjoying their time. Uh, people who are also who are like-minded White Sox fans get together during SoxFest and then afterwards at certain clubs like Reggie's or other places around the area of McCormick Place to just uh, have a good time because it's in the middle of the winter. You haven't had baseball in, in months, and it's about to start up again in spring training and a couple weeks after that. And so it's very disappointing that they're not having Sox Fest because it's literally called White Sox Fan Fest. That's what it is. And the fans don't get to go and see their players. They're going to be disappointed, and they're going to point their ire towards the people they usually point their ire to, Kenny, Rick, and Jim. I'm Kenny, Rick, and Jim. Kenny, Rick, and Jerry. Jim, too. <laughs> Jim usually doesn't get much ire. Jim Jim is in everybody's good graces, I think. But, it's all uh, Jim's fault, in my opinion. But, uh, no, I mean, listen, I, I think uh, something that I've learned from from covering this team in particular, but uh, teams, a team in general, um, is that there are always kind of two storylines, right? There's what's actually going on with the team, and then there's what the fans have picked to be the storyline. Right. And so it's, it's not something that uh, you can't ignore. And um, certainly from a PR standpoint, from a, how the fans are going to react to this standpoint, uh, this is um, of significance. Uh, You know, whether it, whether in actuality, there's any sort of truth to anything that anybody is guessing might be the reason that this happened. Who knows? We don't know. And uh, you know, I think, there have been plenty of disappointing seasons in the past uh, during which there has been a Sox Fest after. So, uh, you know, I understand that this one might be the most disappointing, but, um, you know, we've uh, we, we had a we had a Sox Fest after a hundred loss season. We had a, a Sox Fest in the middle of that rebuild. There were Sox Fests when they uh, missed the playoffs, when Ozzy was still managing, when Robin was managing. So, um, you know, the last two years, obviously, uh, no Sox Fest because of COVID. Uh, maybe this is just a logistical thing where, you know, it's 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 not, uh, you know, it's not as nefarious as anybody wants to believe. But like I said, um, certainly the perception uh, cannot be uh, cannot be ignored and, and certainly no one's ignoring it. So um, it, it 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 makes sense why we're talking about it, even if uh, the reasons we're talking about it aren't true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just to give some context to uh, the most recent Sox Fest that did occur was in late January of 2020. Then uh, they worded that the 2020 event was canceled because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And then 2022 was canceled because uh, the Sox noted the challenges of projecting and man- managing COVID related protocols in an indoor setting. I'm not sure if they still have those fears. Uh, the possible. Cubs, yeah. The, the Cubs are having their convention uh, Cubs con on January 13th to the 15th. So the Cubs were able to make it happen in town, but it is still possible. And I do think just, you know, going to what Herb was saying about the fans, they just cracked 2 million fan attendance, right? I mean, like this would be a great year to do so. And I understand it was a disappointing season. Rick Hahn, the last time he spoke, said so that it was everyone's most disappointing season. But still, like that's part of being a White Sox fan is being misery or, or you know, being miserable. So, you know, seemed like a great time geez uh, sounds like fun <laughs> hey welcome to chicago um you're second rate and you stink at baseball um but yeah it, it's it's a lot of fun here uh i don't know it's it's disappointing i wasn't really expecting it to happen but i'm not shocked i guess so uh maybe we'll get more news coming out later on 
uh, but I doubt it. Uh, I mean, it was very much supposed to happen. I can tell you that. I mean, conversations with people during the season indicated that it was supposed to happen. So um, I'm not saying that something popped up out of the blue or that they were waiting for the final record to be in before making a decision whether to happen, uh, have it or not. Uh, that is almost I, I can't imagine that that would be the case because this is something that takes a lot of planning. Um so maybe they ran into some logistical uh, nightmares. I, I, I don't know. Anything right now is a guess because of the uh, vague nature of what we were told. Right. I mean, I think it was two sentences. So um, just a, a thin press release there. Um, where I mean, I wasn't a huge Sox Fest person when it happened. Uh, they may be, you know, uh, I, I've never gone to a Sox Fest. It was never really my, my thing. Um, where do they usually have it? It's not McCormick Place, right? No. So the last one... The last one in 2020 that you mentioned was the first one at McCormick Place. It was typically at the Hilton uh, down there in in the South Loop area, um, and, you know, right right across the street from Grant Park. Uh, you know, and, and I remember uh, going to various ones, uh, various teams. They all had it there back in the day. Uh, you know, whether it was uh, the Bears, I think the Cubs had it there too. So you know, I. I I was familiar with the setup there, the first uh, one or two of them that I covered because it was there. Uh, the Cubs moved theirs from the Hilton to the Sheridan. Now they're up. Uh, that's uh, what go Streeterville or something up there. So, um, and they've been there for, for a while now, but uh, yeah, the White Sox just had that first one uh, at McCormick place in 2020. And uh, it was my understanding. That's where it was supposed to be again too. So. All right, so maybe they just had logistical, uh, you know, a mishap there fall through with McCormick Place just because, you know, I mean, 28 Sox Fest uh, before that or 27, I'm, I'm assuming just then happened at the Hilton. Uh, so, you know, may, maybe ch- change of venue just just ended up not happening. But then again, like they, they don't have I mean, I guess you need a bigger place. You couldn't have it at actual guaranteed rate field. Uh that was, yeah, that was stupid for me to say, especially in January. In, in January. Uh, so that's on me. So, hey, uh, any final thoughts here, Herb, on Sox Fest being canceled? I just think that maybe um, they see what fans are going through. And and I spoke to a lot of people saying that, you know, not having Sox Fest and the culmination of this year, it's not their final straw, but they're not willing to go into season tickets right now until they see some improvement. So this was a thing that people look forward to. And I know things probably didn't go the White Sox way. And I'm sure that they don't like how this looks and how it's presented. It's a PR nightmare to not do your fan fest. And so they probably try to do all that is necessary to get this going. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be a thing this of uh, January. And so it's going to be another hit on this White Sox team. So I would advise them just a small gathering of other on another event maybe not call it Sox fest i don't know what you do but something that has the fans involved so they feel like they're part of the team and not forgotten about just as you said they had two million people uh, go through the gates this year in a disappointing year so they're still there to support the team and they're there available to support the team again but this is just another black mark on this white Sox uh, organization's uh, list well, and it, I will say this too: the, the uh, you know fans, not in general, but you know that small that small subset that just you know is very venomous on social media. Uh, you know, if you're a person who works for the White Sox in that department or in any department, and that is the 
that is what you're seeing. You know what I mean? That's the representation in your mind of, of what this fan base is feeling. Again, it's not a reason to do necessarily anything, certainly cancel a, a, a fan fest or anything like that. But I was on Twitter the other day and they posted some really nice pictures of uh, the fall colors outside of guaranteed rate field. And, and they were nice pictures. And I was like clicking and I'm like, oh, this is, this is very, this is very nice. And then you click through the, and then you just click on the tweet and it's just every, it's just gross. It's just gross how mean people were reacting to what, like they sent some dude out there with a camera who works in the social media department. He took some nice pictures of a tree and they're just, and people are just grilling them for it. And uh, like I said, listen, this is, um, this, this as disappointing as many seasons prior have been, this was a, a new level perhaps. So uh, I understand the feeling, um, but you know, the, uh, the perhaps a, a picture of nice fall colors is not the, uh, is not the venue that you want to be venting. On. Well, and remember too, when you're calling ticket reps, it's not their fault. Sox Fest 2023 was canceled. Be nice to your ticket reps as well. Cause uh, they, they didn't have anything to do with this. Uh, any final thoughts before we jump into Michael Kopech's 2022 report cards? I'm getting a head shake from Vinny. I'm getting a head shake from herb i asked the question so it means we're ready to go and i'm ready to tell you about a perfect sunday snack uh this is probably going to be coming to you on monday we're recording this on sunday it'll be in your podcast feeds on monday so you can just bet that this sunday this past sunday I ate so many Green Ridge Farm meat sticks. They're a Chicago local meat and cheese company offering you a better all-natural option at snack time. They're the makers of all-natural deli meat, sausages, and their famous meat sticks. They're perfect for tailgating, 12 hours on the couch watching football. Um, you can really just stay energized. You can stay energized to bet on DraftKings uh, by eating meat sticks. You can power through the 12 o'clock games, the 3 o'clock games, the Sunday night games just on meat sticks with 16 grams of protein per stick. They make a perfect post-workout snack, which would be great for all the NFL players that you will be watching. Uh, but I will be, you know, eating meat sticks. So, you know, I, I'll be eating the chicken. I'll be eating the Black Forest beef. I'll be eating the flavors like jalapeno cheddar and spicy chili. And if you haven't tried them, you don't know what you're missing. Because, again, this is just what's going to be powering me this Sunday. Uh, meat sticks are my life. I am very, very happy when meat sticks are sent to the office and we get them for free. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I buy these myself. Uh, these are fantastic. They are fantastic at snack. I usually don't know uh, snack time. I usually don't know what to eat. Uh, I'm very indecisive. So when meat sticks are this easy, this good, why go away from them? Uh, right now, it's time to order any three meat products at GreenRidgeFarm.com. And get this, if you include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free simply by using the code CHGO at checkout. So again, when you order any three meat products at GreenRidgeFarm.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free simply by using the code CHGO at checkout. And our next partner has uh, fantastic stuff as well. Um, our partner, I've been using for about seven months here, Athletic Greens. I didn't have time in the morning to take a multivitamin. I wasn't sure what to take. So AG1s has made it simple. With one delicious scoop of AG1s, I absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help me start my day right. This special blend of ingredients supports my gut health, my nervous system, my immune system, my energy, my ability to recover, and my ability to focus. So when I'm doing this podcast, I am being powered by AG1s. It's lifestyle-friendly as well. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, this will work for you. And it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. So it's cheaper than a cold brew habit. It's cheaper than a coffee habit. It's cheaper than, you know, vitamins and going out and buying many, many 
multivitamins. You get 75 high-quality ones just with AG1. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of a cup of water and every day, that's it. No needs for millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Michael Kopech, 2022. It was interesting. Uh, we weren't really sure what the pitcher, the high prospect, was going to be like transitioning from a bullpen role in 2021 to a starter in 2022. The White Sox relied on him and his as his, as their fifth starter, and he did well. Um, where do you guys want to start here? Because we could start at spring training. We could start um, at the great Yankee start uh, that he had. We could start at some of the injuries he's dealt with uh, a lot with Michael Kopech to dive in here. Um, why don't we just start with the overall grades? Uh, B was the overall grade for Michael Kopech. Uh, Vinny gave him a B plus. Herb gave him a B. I was the decider on whether it should be a B or a B plus. I ended up going with a B just because I look at the innings, 119, uh, 119 and two thirds innings. I didn't think it was enough for what the White Sox were looking for as a fifth starter. So that's the big overall number that I took away from. But Vinny, since you are kind of the dissenting agreement here, uh, having the B plus, uh, why did you give Michael a B plus? I thought, I mean, I thought a B is a fine grade for Michael, but but I I, I think I went with the B plus just because he looked good for the most part. I, I don't th- I don't really remember any you know too I shouldn't say any but too many moments where he was really struggling. Uh, you know I think there were those games that he was gone after just a handful of pitches, but that was health related. And you know I don't think you ding I don't think you ding a guy necessarily for not being you know for being injured. That's not that has nothing to do with your performance necessarily. Um, and, and really, you know, once he left that that start in what I think it was like mid-June or something like that, it was rocky the rest of the way for him. But up until then, he, you know, we were talking about, oh, could he make the all-star team? Oh, I mean, look how low that ERA is. It's fantastic. So, um, you know, he was a guy who the White Sox plans were have him be in the conversation to make a postseason start. And while that might not have been the case by the end of the year just because of how amazing Dylan Cease was, how good Lance Lynn was pitching at the end of the year. You know, if you're talking about a three-game series, maybe Michael Kopech wasn't one of the three top starting pitchers for the White Sox. Cueto was doing so well, but obviously stumbled a little bit there in September. But um, I think for a long stretch there, Kopech was in position to to be in that conversation. And and I think that's what they hoped for. Um, But here we are again going into an offseason or another, I should say, going into another season, 2023 down the road. And we're going to be talking about Michael Kopech's health. Um, you know, obviously, this is drastically different from the two seasons that he missed. The, the one in particular recovering from the Tommy John surgery. Um, but, you know, the, the, you could say, you could argue, I should, uh, that the story of the year was was the knee. And what, what happened with his knee early, what happened with his knee in the middle, and what happened with his knee right at the end when he had surgery on it. So um, they're expecting him to be fine and ready to go for spring training. But, um, you know, it's it, it's going to come down to, again, what can we expect Michael Kopech to do in terms of staying healthy? I think for the most part he was, and also it probably, we saw some probably pretty good performances from him in the second half where he was not a hundred percent and pitching well and, and figuring out how to get outs. But um, you know, it's, I, I thought when he looked good, he looked amazing. 
And I think when, uh, you know, it's if they can just get the health figured out, it was less about the stamina, which is what we all thought it was going to be this year, right? It was how many innings is going to be able to get to. Is he going to be going five innings in every start because they want to preserve him for the end of the year? And it ended up being that he could have gone probably more if if his body had allowed him to do so. So, uh, you know, this time again, it's not the arm. It's not necessarily something anybody should be worried about, but we're moving forward and it's, it's, it's still uh, uh, a topic of conversation, if not the dominant one. To piggyback of what you said, Vinny, it's the top pitching that he did this year was some of the top pitching in baseball. He retired 30 um, Yankees in a row, like in two different starts. His first win he got versus the Yankees, I think uh, six shutout innings looked brilliant. And then we remember the Sunday game where he did the same versus the Yankees. He, has top of the league stuff. Now, the reason for the B and not a B plus or an A is because I think that he is still a thrower, even though he didn't get as many strikeouts. His strikeouts per nine went dramatically down from where he was doing a relief slash starter role last year. I think he was up at the 13 uh, level last year. Now he's about eight strikeouts per nine. So he needs to be a better pitcher, a better executor of his pitches. And we talk about Dylan Cease all the time and how he led the league in walks. Michael Kopech wasn't that far behind him with fewer innings where he had like, I think, 54 walks on the year and 119 innings. Let's see, 119 innings and he had 57 walks given up. So that needs to improve there. But for a, a young man who's 26 years old, making his first full season starting job, I think he did an exemplary job. And like you said, his problem is the injuries and the injuries are not his fault. I think the guy is going to be a top of the rotation guy just with a great offseason, a great work that work ethic, as you see, he has already. So to post 25 starts, which Max Scherzer didn't do, Marcus Stroman didn't do, and other top name starters that you know didn't do is a thing, especially in your first year of doing it. So I'll give Michael Kopech a solid B for his performance this year, a a three and a half ERA. And I look forward to to better things when he becomes the pitcher that we know he's going to be. Yeah, 119 and one-third innings, uh, 105 strikeouts, ERA plus of 112 for Michael Kopech in his first season starting. And you mentioned it, 25 starts. Um, So let's go into there. Um, I think 25 starts is a good chunk. You look at Dylan Cease, he's usually giving you about like 33 to about 32 a season. So it wasn't that drastically different. The injuries that Michael Kopech suffered outside of the uh, one that ended his season, um, you look at the, the Texas one that was a – sack that burst in his knee that he was saying that he's he's dealt with i know vinny loves to bring up the the details of that one um but he's been dealing with that one for two it's really gross it is uh (laughs) human bodies are gross um but yeah uh kopech that's something that he's been dealing with and and is pitching through we can kind of put it towards what liam Hendricks was dealing with his ucl um and how he's been pitching through that since about 2008 um and then the next one that he uh felt a little bit of a, a a they, they started slowing him down a bit. Uh, where was the next uh, uh, after the Colorado start? Um, that was still knee injury as well, right? I mean, it was it was all three separate IL stints for knee. I think it probably the way again it was not described super well, maybe because they were still trying to figure out exactly what was going on. But uh, you know, toward the end of the season, James Fegan and and others had some information you know uh, provided on the road. You know that maybe the idea was that 
that that cyst that you were talking about was kind of the root cause of everything that you know it was he had a he had a knee strain but maybe that was because the way he was changing his body to pitch around the feeling that came from the cyst you know so i think they had that cyst removed in 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 a surgery late in the year according to to james that it was actually there was a meniscus tear involved as well but maybe it was all because of that same cyst issue and so you get rid of that and maybe everything's cleared up but um you know it's something that again kind of dominated uh, the last two thirds of his season to, you know for for the most part yeah and that's I'm, I'm, my bad on that he only had one true ielts then after the kc start uh, where he left with uh, a, sh- a knee strain and then even after the texas strain where that cyst burst um he ended up going back uh, against houston and didn't pitch super effectively, but still pitched about six days later. Um, so let's get into some of the discussion before the year on what Rakan said maybe the goals were for for Michael Kopech as a starter in 2022. Um, and maybe if if you did have a certain innings limit, um, I don't remember anything specific from Rakan. It really felt like they were just going to see how his body held up. And, and, it, and that's really what they stayed on the, the entire season, really. Yeah, it was basically just pay really close attention to him. And I think Ethan Katz explained at every time that, you know, we talked to him throughout the whole season, it was basically the same explanation because they were staying on him. They were sticking to that plan. Um, I don't think they ever wanted to box Michael or themselves in by saying, all right, you hit this number and that's going to be it. You're out, you know, kind of thing, because there was a good chance that taking him out of the equation was really going to harm the team because he would have been pitching really well. And for a a portion of the season, you you could have argued that he was one of their top two, top three starting pitchers and doing that would have, you know, negatively impacted their chances of accomplishing their goals. So, um, you know, doing it on the fly didn't, there were some people who didn't like it. They wanted the just, they wanted the number and they wanted to to hit the number and that's it. But nobody knows uh, what's going on in terms of how the uh, workload is affecting a body more than the people who are on top of it every single day too. So to set it and forget it is probably not the best course because, you know, it might be the conservative course. It might be the way to play it safe, but how do you know that, uh, that, that actually is going to have that effect that, Oh, Michael Kopech throwing a hundred and 30 innings is going to be the same as a regular starter going a full workload for the whole season. You don't know that really because what he hasn't been up there to show you, he hasn't been able to start as much to show you how it's going to go. And really it could have gone the opposite way too. If you would have set that cap at 130, let's say, and or 150 or whatever, and Kopech hits it and he's fine. Then, then you're, and then you're, you know, you'll lose the division because you, you have, you have a subpar starter in there. Obviously, it didn't play out that way. They lost the division for a lot of reasons, but, uh, you know, I'm just talking about the hypothetical at the beginning of the year. The plan that they had made sense, and I think that uh, what you saw, the injuries that you saw impact Michael's season were not the kind I I don't believe that the stamina would you know have the problem with if if you started seeing him get all these arm fatigue kind of things like we saw from Carlos Rodon at the end of the 2021 season and to be fair Michael did go on the IL at the end of the year with a you know with shoulder inflammation there so there was a little bit of that but it, it doesn't seem like it ended up being too terrible of a strategy and it was one they stuck to and and you know were right on top of everything all year well Herb I want to go to you and maybe ask you a little bit more of a direct question, but I, I think before Ethan Katz came, the White Sox had a little bit of a, of a, a, a what the, I don't want to say resume, but they were known for kind of screwing up young pitchers. Um, so Michael Kopech is one of the 
babies, you know, one of the bigger projects because even Dylan Cease was a six round pick. Like Michael Kopech was the cream of the crop when it came to prospects. So um, the fact that they didn't really have a goal, how did that sit with you this year? Michael Kopech is a different guy. Like you know that he can be the top of level pitcher if he's healthy. So I don't have a problem with how the White Sox went into this year planning on using Michael Kopech. Hey, we're going to throw you out there every fifth game and see how you do. The only problem I had is the one time where they threw him out there, clearly hurt before the game. He went out there. Well, trainers went out there. Tony went out there and talked to him. He talked himself into the game. First pitch is an 89 mile per hour fastball. Immediately you see that Michael Kopech's not right. And he pitches like 16 more pitches and he's done. Johnny Cueto has to come in and get that game. But otherwise, from Rick Hahn, the front office, Ethan Katz, and all the rest of the people at the White Sox, I thought they had an exemplary plan for Michael Kopech to pitch this year and to, like Vinny said, there was no governor on him. There was no, like, number that was public, at least, that said, hey, if he hits this, he shut down, you know, a.k.a. Strasburg-like, back with the Washington Nationals. I like that. I like to have the player just to be free and not know that, hey, no matter what you do, we are going to shut you down at certain arbitrary number. I like that they said, hey, we're going to look at you. We're going to see if you're going to do well. If you're doing well, if you're feeling all right about your body, we're going to let you go and do your thing. And for the most part, they let him go and do his thing. And so that is very encouraging for the White Sox to do that. I look forward to more of that because like no – like. Any other pitcher, he's different. You need to treat him different than you treat him seat like Cease. You need to treat him different like you do other pitchers on the roster because he is special, I believe. I think he is a top-of-the-rotation pitcher eventually, an ace on a staff. And so the last thing you want is to throw him to the wolves and say, hey, there's no there's no uh, restrictions on you. We're not going to look at you. You're good. Like, they don't look at Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn is fine. If he doesn't say he's hurt, He's fine. He's going to pitch. Same thing with Dylan Cease. Well, Michael Kopech, you have to treat him a little differently, both because of past history and, like, you know, he's had mental health problems, too. And this year, I believe his mental health, and he's been working on it uh, with lack of ego, I think that the White Sox have done a great job with that. And Michael Kopech himself has done a great job of striving from where he was to who he is. He's mature. His maturity has grown leaps and bounds. So I have no problems with how the White Sox have treated him and how they've, you know, progressed from, Hey, your reliever slash starter in 2021. Now, 2022, we're going to have you your first full starting year. Now, 2023, we expect this, that, and the other, and it's going to progress gradually. And I think that's going to create a top of the rotation pitcher. And, and I'll bring this up too. you know, Rick has talked about since all the way back to last November that the importance of 2022 for Michael Kopech was as much about 2023 and beyond as it was about 2022. And I mean, obviously they had a pitcher who they knew could help them this season and help them try to achieve their goals this season. But he's such a long, he's such a long-term piece that they needed to get him ready to be a major league starter in 2023. And the only way they were going to do that was to be a major league starter in 2022. And so if you didn't think that Michael Kopech necessarily lived up to the hype in 2022, he's still on development in a a way, because if, even if it's not development of the stuff or development of the pitching process, it's developing him 
into the stamina. It's the developing of him of him becoming a pitcher. So I think the idea is that, yeah, 2022 was going to be about him showing that he could help this team win, but it's about making him that starting pitcher for the years to come as well. And I think you did see that a lot. And I think that has a lot to do with why there was that no number because he needed to, he needed to learn. He needed to figure out his body and, and, and what was what he needed to do in order to go into next season with this know-how of how to get the job done. And now he can focus on the kind of stuff that's going to make him an even better pitcher, a more effective pitcher. I, I guess the reason why the the number and the lack of a number bugs me. And, and you know, one of the quotes that I found interesting from Ethan Katz was, uh, what's the right number of innings? Nobody really knows. Katz says it's all about making sure he gets, uh, Kopech gets proper rest here in the regular season. And then they'll know how late, how hard they can push him late. Obviously, you know, he ended up breaking uh, by the late point or not breaking, but, you know, he ended up running into knee issues and, and the knee issues built up. But um, Kyle Body, who filed, uh, founded Driveline, um, was speaking to somebody who he worked with, uh, who was formerly with the Astros and is still a major league player in a different organization. Um, and he was just saying this about Houston. Um, the culture of constant improvement, work ethic, and clearly defined goals is what separates that organization from others that I played for. And that's, I guess that's the frustrating thing is Michael doesn't really know his body. I mean, you know, this is someone who has figured out and gone through spiritual changes and has gone through um, mental health changes and has tried to figure out, you know, what it's like being a person. Everyone goes through that difficulty, but I don't understand. I don't know if he knows what it's like to be a major league starter, because even though he had the two, you know, fairly decent sample size uh, years in the minor leagues where I think he threw like 135 at 140 innings. I just don't know if he knew what it took to be a starter. And yes, he could rely on some of the guys like Lance Lynn, Johnny Cueto to, you know, bounce off like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Should I feel like this after a start? But I just feel there should have been something clear, more clearly defined because even then if we set like, Hey, he's going to pitch 115 innings that just lets you know, like, all right, we're going to need to get, you know, 45 innings from somebody else like it's just it's just even about planning and it's about the rotation because if Michael Kopech goes down who's stepping in thankfully you had Davis Martin but if Davis Martin goes down who's stepping in I don't really think there was anybody else behind Davis Martin so I think just in the the planning aspect I would have liked to see more just because I think it just shows a, a better you know organizational uh, up and down like it just it just seems uh you know what, what are you jumping in here I just think that maybe they did. They had contingency plans and they, you know, put it to the media and public. And so it's really it's none of our business. And at the end of the day, if they have a plan A, B, C for what Michael Kopech does and they don't want to give their hand, you know, they want to show their hand in that regard. Well, plan A, plan B, plan C, as in like who would fill his spot. That's all I meant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they had that. I think they had a contingency plan. They had a contingency plan if Michael Kopech was to tear his um, rotator cuff or any other thing, needed Tommy John surgery, all those things. But, you know, it wasn't necessarily our uh, business to know that. And so I'm glad if they did tell Michael himself, hey, we have a certain amount of innings for you and a, and a number, cool, but we don't need to know that. I don't need to know that as fan at home. Michael Kopech, maybe he needs to know that, but also – I think it's good to have the pitcher just go out and pitch and see how the results fare. Then from there, you can say, okay, how do you feel? This is normal wear and tear. This is what we usually talk to our pitchers about on day two after they throw. How do you feel at this point? I feel this way. Okay, now we're going to do this type of thing to get you ready for game uh, in three days. Speak to Lucas Giolito, how he gets prepared. These All these things that happened this year – I think are positives for Michael Kopech specifically because of 
pitching with pain, pitching with injury, knowing the difference between I can pitch through this and I cannot pitch through this. He tried to pitch through that knee where it burst at a guaranteed rate. He understood that he couldn't because it, it wasn't working. His stuff wasn't good. It wasn't effective. And then he's had these knee problems all throughout the year. So he has pitched with this stuff with lesser and he has done well. So it's a great year for the White Sox. And I think the White Sox staff needs credit for th- this p- particular pitcher himself because of how he had a great year and how he's progressed. I think next year you'll see the fruits of this labor where Michael Kopech's going to be at the top of the rotation for the White Sox. I get, I just vehemently believe that. It's like what they did this year is so great for him and his development and his use. And when the White Sox need an ace and a horse, he'll be there because he won't have a lot of wear and tear on his arm. He'll know how to pitch through pain. He'll have veterans that have shown him the way. And he'll have the stuff available to uh, do it. Yeah, well, let's get into the stuff, too, because that's part of the uh, report card as well. Stuff command. Um, if we look through at the stuff plus number uh, and the pitching plus number that Eno Saris has of the athletic uh, taking in all of the pitching data that we have now in the analytic age, um, Michael Kopech, and I want to take you through kind of two parts because we mentioned the start that he got off to after New York uh, and after that start on May 22nd. You know, where did his stuff improve or where did it get better um his stuff plus after that may 22nd start was at his stuff plus was at a 111.6 his location plus was at a 94.6 and his pitching plus was at a 99.9 he ended with a stuff plus of a 108.3 so down about three points there his location went up actually about one from 94.6 to 95.1 and his pitching plus stayed about the same at 99.3 so i think it's actually kind of a good sign that he stayed about the same. Uh, he really didn't take any huge jumps, but I think the main huge jump was just the innings jump. So for stuff slash command, we're giving him the same grade as Davis Martin, because that's where they kind of graded out with the command and stuff coming together. Um, they both get about a B minus. So overall for Kopech, uh, we are going to give him a B, um, which again, for the first year starting, it wasn't great, but he wasn't really supposed to be the great one of the staff. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You're, you're you're right. I mean, I think that that's very fair because he the expectations for him, I don't think anybody really had any, to be quite honest. You know what I mean? It, because they didn't know what they were getting. And I, I mean, I'm sure the expectations for him go back to the beginning of when the White Sox acquired him and they're sky high. But if you're going to compare him to what people thought Lance Lynn was going to do after finishing third in the Cy Young vote, what Lucas Giolito was going to do after, uh, you know, finishing in the top 12 of the Cy Young vote, what Dylan Cease was going to do after, you know, he had what looked like a break out year last year and then boy did he have a breakout year this year but um and and even someone like Dallas Keuchel who was coming off of such horrendous results in 2021 still had the resume that you would you you had reasons to have expectations from him for Kopech you really didn't know he had a nice year in the bullpen last year but the second half wasn't that great uh you know and so it, it was all about can what can he do can he be a starter can he be an every fifth day guy and can he do it for a large portion of the season I think he accomplished those tasks, and I think he said, and I think he showed that not only could he do that from a workload standpoint, he could do it from an effectiveness standpoint, and he could be a pretty good starting pitcher moving forward. Now, of course, you want Michael Kopech to be more than just a pretty good starting pitcher. You want him to be a very, very good starting pitcher. That will be the goal. The you know that'll be the storyline for next year is can Michael Kopech now that he is a major league starter, can he be that great major league starter? Yeah, it's great. I think that the White Sox are doing a great job. And you could see the difference between 
what they might do with Garrett Crochet and what they are doing with Michael Kopech. You know, he might be in the same program that Michael Kopech was in 2021, but I don't know if there's any long-term things for Garrett Crochet to be at the top of the rotation for the White Sox eventually. I'm sure he feels that way. He should be that guy. And the White Sox, in their grandest plans, believe that Garrett Crochet should be a top of the rotation guy. But I think next year is going to come around and Garrett Crochet will be mused morally more out of the bullpen than as a starter for various reasons. But Michael Kopech is the one. He's the the unicorn out of all these people because you see that he has all the tools you need to be a horse. And so I think that he has done well for himself in 2022. And I look forward to everything he's going to be doing, especially off the field. The, the young man is, impresses me because of the vulnerability he's shown that he's helped a lot of people because he's a 26 year old, great looking dude gone out with, or had a kid with a model actress and he's seemingly having the life and showing vulnerability and saying, you know what? I don't have the life. I deal with stresses. I still deal with mental health issues all the time. And I think that is more valuable than his pitching. I know we're here to discuss the actual guy on the field, but the guy off the field impresses me more because of the vulnerability, the asking for help, the unfinished product that he is. And I love that he wants to be uh, like an ambassador for mental health and getting wellness into the game and to speak about it. That's a great thing for this young man. He's helping lives transform because he's such a big time player. And he's such a uh, guy that people would see. He's like, he has no problems. He does. And he speaks about it openly. But yeah, and check out Jared Willis uh, on All CHGO, um, who wrote uh, in the middle of the season about Michael Kopech and some of the journeys that he's gone through uh, personally uh, during the offseason. It was a, a good look, uh, insight uh, into what uh, Michael Kopech has gone through. Uh, you do bring up uh, Garrett Crochet. I do think he's in a completely different ballpark than Michael Kopech, not to get into this too deeply, but Garrett Crochet's thrown under 200 professional innings uh, or 200 innings over the major leagues and in college, where Kopech had at least two minor league seasons with with 100 plus innings. So I'd be really shocked to see if he was on a similar uh, plan as Kopech. I would say probably, if anything, is 2021 Kopech and has to go through the entire bullpen year and see if he could even get up to 85 innings. And then they think they'd compliment, compliment uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, contemplate uh, getting up him up to like 120. Because like I think even that probably is as high end got the 20 because um, he just doesn't have that experience. Uh, final thing switch to the bullpen uh, diminished his stuff and his command uh, and I do just want to give some numbers and mainly I'm just going to focus on the forcing fastball and the slider because um, he really was tweaking with his curve the entire 2022 season I don't think he has that pitch down yet he does offer a change up but one percent of the time this uh this past year in 2022 uh, and two percent of the time in 2021 so it's not really a major pitch there um the two major pitches he throws 62% of the time is forcing fastball and 27% of the time his slider. Um, in 2021, his overall grade, and Vinny, we're going back to the 2080 grail, uh, grade scale, but uh, his overall grade. Oh, boy. You know how much I enjoy that. Uh, was a 70. Um, his stuff for his forcing fastball in 2021 was a 70, and his command was a 55. In 2022, it went down from a 70 to a 55. His stuff went down from a 70 to a 60, and his command went down from a 55 to a 45. I think that is just with extra work 
comes diminished stuff. Hopefully he's able to build up that stamina and get that stuff, you know, consistent throughout all six innings. His slider then uh, in 2021, overall grade of a 65, stuff grade of a 55, command grade of 60. For 2022, it was uh, down from 65, his overall grade, to a 45, his stuff down from a 55 to a 50, and his command down from a 60 to a 50. So just getting progressively worse. Um, but again, I think it's just because of figuring out what it's like to be a pitcher. But that's Michael Kopech. Uh, not too shocking that his stuff diminished over his journey to becoming a starter and not too shocking that he dealt with some pain. But again, I wouldn't give it an A. I think A would be he was fully healthy and got these results. But he wasn't fully healthy, didn't get these results. And still, I think a, a B was a good grade for Michael Kopech's first starting year. And hopefully he could take those steps to become the full starter that he wants to be. You can follow Herb Lawrence on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He is our CHGO White Sox community leader. You can follow Vinny Duber on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. I'll be in Vegas this week, guys. So enjoy. Uh, Janice Gurio will be uh, filling in for me. So you guys will be continuing player grades with Janice. And uh, she, it'll be fun to uh, add her to the squad uh, form, uh, you know, uh, of CHGO Sky uh, is where you might know her of. And uh, now she's going to come talk Sox, uh, which she is great at. So should be fun. Viva Sean yeah, Vegas. <laughs> I'm going to listen to so much Elvis. It's going to be great. First time, uh, right? Yeah, first time. So we'll, we'll oh. see. We'll have we'll have some fun up there. And uh, I'll come back with a report. I'll, I'll give Vegas a report card. How about that? There yeah, you that'll go. Be, that'll people come will, back on Sunday. People will be excited about that. My, my, one, my one recommendation for you, Sean, get off the strip. Frankie's Tiki Room. There you go. That's where you need to go. Frankie's Tiki Room. Okay. Got it down. Herb, you got any uh, suggestions? How many days are you going? Uh, three. Oh, perfect. Absolutely perfect amount of days. Anything more than three is trouble. <laughs> yeah, and we're spend, leaving like... Spend too much money. Vegas is not that big. Right. That's what I've figured out. Um, it just seems like the Strip and then Fremont Street. And that's about it. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, what we got... Uh, We'll get there Monday night and then we'll be leaving like Thursday afternoon. So it's, it's really only like two full days too. Um, so we won't be, I'll, I'll, I'll be watching myself. Uh, but anyways, uh, follow uh, Vinny and Herb on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter as well. And uh, make sure you tune in at 4 PM on Monday for the CHGO White Sox live show. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Sox.